Today's guest is Zach. Zach, what's going on? What's up, my man? <laughs> what do I do with my hands? <laughs> you just give it to yourself. <laughs> you keep, there's no reason for it. They're, they're yours. We don't have a video yet, but if you could see this, him and I are sitting super close. I asked him if uh, we should hold hands. <laughs> yeah, so, so tell us a little bit about yourself, man. My name is Zach Stone. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, sorry, this isn't a meeting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but seriously, I am, uh, <clears throat> I'm from upstate New York, uh, capital, Albany. Um, I am almost two years sober. Congrats, bro. From uh, everything, but alcohol was, uh, everything kind of just bottom fed on alcohol. Um, thought it was a geographical problem, um, so I've been... All around, been Jersey, Texas, Jacksonville, St. Augustine for a little bit. Here I am. Um, the old saying, everywhere you go, there you are. That, that rang true for me. But I work a 12-step program, and um, it's really worked for me. And uh, all the I, – I had a morbid, uh, impending sense of doom my entire life, and uh, I finally get to to learn how to, to live again. And, uh, yeah, here I am. You, Living with you, very grateful, nice place. Got a girlfriend now. Congrats, yeah. Thanks, yeah. So, uh, we'll, we'll start, how, how was your day? Uh, day was pretty good. Um, I, um, I'm in a new position at work where I'm, I, I get to work remotely for a car wash, which yeah. is something. <laughs> that's, that's one of the biggest con jobs I've ever, it's so impressive. Like, <laughs> like you just got like a, a Zoom call and you're like, hey, you wanna get the windshield? <laughs> But uh, yeah, I did that for a little bit. I went to a 12 o'clock meeting um, with my girlfriend and yeah, um, kind of try to stay in the center of my recovery because all the things that I've, I've gained now, um, I can't forget what brought me here. Some people say the program works so good, you think you don't need it anymore. So I, tr I try to stay in the middle of it. I mean, the program is very helpful. I've obviously been in it less the time than you have, and I appreciate you introducing me to it. That's that's one of the things that I think I, I, I mean, I've only known you since we've been down in Jacksonville, but it's just how like you 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 help other people, uh, you know, and it, that's pretty selfless, um, especially me. So I, I can't thank you enough. Although the irony of the fact that you possibly partied with my brother is <laughs> is pretty funny, and it's a shame that uh, the pictures aren't deleted because that would have been if there's a picture of you and Lee out there, I probably would. Yeah, lose my, my mind. Yeah, my Instagram's out there with a bunch of pictures from West Virginia. Um, yeah, I can kind of give you a rundown of how that went. So <laughs> I was like uh, twenty two, just got out of a long term codependent relationship where we were all up in each other's shit. Um, and I felt like uh, at the time, I, I, I have a lot of respect for the girl now, but I felt like I, it was a, we, we both controlled each other's shit. So when I kind of got off the leash, I was ready to send it full send. Yeah. Um, I had some friends that went to college in Morgantown in West Virginia, and um, they were in a fraternity there. Shout out to Phi Kappa Psi. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I remember the night before I got I packed my bag, but I still wanted to get blackout drunk. So I got blackout drunk and left a note on my bag where like, if I pass out, make sure this ends up in the trunk. <laughs> I wake up in the car on the way to West Virginia with my, uh, with my bag in the back. So my friends, uh, quote unquote, are looking out for me. Um, we get to West Virginia. Um, I'm 
uh, a real alcoholic. So whatever brings me to the, uh, gets me there the quickest. So uh, I, I would drink. So Long Island iced teas were definitely one of my favorite. Um, we get there. It's my first time trying uh, the party drug ecstasy. Um, the drinks were half the price than they were in New York. So like in New York, it might be like 12 bucks for a Long Island. They were like four fifty, five bucks in, in West Virginia. But I still somehow managed to, to spend the same amount of money. So you do the math. Um, <clears throat> when I, uh, oh yeah, we also brought um, an ounce of marijuana and we were gonna, we planned on smoking some and to smoke for free, we were gonna sell the other half. So we had a bunch individually bagged out and I, like an idiot, walked around with a bunch of baggies and this ecstasy that I just bought. And I blacked out in Morgantown, West Virginia, lost my phone, lost all my friends. And I mean, you know it well, Morgantown, it's just the college city and then it's just woods. Yeah. So there's a good chance that I could have died um, in a ditch or whatever. But uh, I, I do uh, believe that a guardian angel was watching over, from, over me. And even though I was pissed off at the time, in a blackout state, I walked myself to jail and passed out on the side of the building. So, uh, Oh, we have right downtown there. Yeah, yeah so yeah. the first, yeah, the public safety building. Yeah, yeah. I, know <laughs> I, know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So obviously, right, that's, that's a low, but like where you are now, how, what did that process look like for you and, and how, did, how did you do so well? Um, I had to keep digging, dude. Um, I mean, I've been sober since April 27th of 2021. April 27th. That's my mom's birthday. That's, that's a crazy coincidence. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I had to get real low. I've done a lot of, um, done a lot of things that, um, at one, at one point I wish I didn't do, um, at this point in time, um, one thing in my 12 step program says, um, we don't regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. The reason being is my experience um, is able to relate to someone new in the program, um, and I can show them that there is a way out. But yeah, the the road here was bad. Like I said, it was a ge- a lot of geographical changes, um, trying to run for myself. A lot of uh, quote unquote hostages I took. Those being girlfriends that we just, um, you know, it was just bad and. Uh, toxic. And uh, at the end there, I was living in St. Augustine with, um, and I, I was just a terrible, terrible boyfriend at the time. And I, I've made amends to, to the individual since then. But, you know, it was, we worked in a restaurant. I work I, most, most of my adult life, even having a degree um, in criminal justice psychology, I never wanted to apply myself. So I worked in restaurants and the restaurant subculture is just, if you're an alcoholic, it's for you. You can reach your bottom quick if you work in a restaurant. So uh, every day on the way to work, I'd uh, I'd have a handle of either vodka, whiskey, or tequila in the freezer, 24-pack of beer in the fridge and boxed wine, whatever I was low on, I'd get on the way to work. Also get like a 10-pack of shooters that I could drink on the shift. And uh, at the end, it just felt like Groundhog's Day. I I was also taking... Um, pers- uh, non-prescription Adderall that, that I would buy. Um, there's other party drugs that I buy here and there, but those are the two main ones I was doing at the time. Not sleeping, not eating, down to like, oh, I went into rehab 165 pounds soaking wet. 
Um, and I was, I was in denial, to be honest with you. Like, I knew that I hated myself. I, I hated the way I looked, but I didn't think anybody else could see. And I remember a couple of days before I checked myself into rehab, this attractive girl at work came up to me. You know, obviously I hadn't been sleeping. I'm skinny. I got, my eyes are sunken in. And she looks at me and says, Zach, are you dying? And wow. it cut through to my ego like a fucking knife. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh shit, they can, they can see what I see. Um, but yeah, um, th- it was a long line of, of mistakes and, and things that I'm um, still making amends for. But that's the whole point of my program is uh, clearing up the wreckage of my past and, and being, to, being able to be free from it. So uh, one of the things that, that for me is like replacing bad habits or coping mechanisms with good ones, right? Mm-hmm. So like instead of like when I'm feeling bad or sorry for myself and, and going and getting hammered or going and, you know, sleeping with whoever, right? Like I try to do something positive, like workout, jujitsu, stuff like that. What, what worked for you or do you have a different methodology? How do you, when you're feeling like maybe I want to have a drink or whatever, how do you, how do you combat those thoughts and what do you do to avoid that situation? Well, nowadays, I mean, it's still just a daily reprieve, but, um, I don't crave alcohol. Like I've, I've been to weddings and stuff like that. And I've been around people drinking and it it doesn't really bother me anymore, but definitely early on, I had to stay away from people, places and things. Um, and I had to kind of relearn how to live. Um, I will say that knowing that women were a vice for me knowing that, um, I was insecure and I, I needed external validation, um, from people. I, I took the suggestions of people that had had time in the program and I, and I did stay out of a relationship for, for the first um, year of my sobriety and tried to really get to know myself. And I'm not going to lie. It was fucking lonely. It sucked, but I really got to learn who I really was and work on those insecurities that I just projected onto my previous girlfriends. Um, and, uh, nowadays, uh, what really, when I'm feeling like, cause I'm still an alcoholic, I don't need to drink to be fucking alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, like an example of that is when I was on a diet, I had a, a small, uh, at work they had pizza. So I'm like, I cheated a little bit, but that's like the equivalent of me, like drinking a beer before, you know it. I was like full blown relapse. I'm like, at Golden Corral on a Monday by myself, <laughs> sitting in the corner with like three empty plates, like hoping no one, no one's judging me. But um, yeah, like when I still are feeling sitting in self pity or you know, um, I, I do suffer from depression and anxiety, and I'm kind of like stuck inside myself. I try to get outside of self, so like helping others, like I'm sponsoring guys. I uh, I tell my story at meetings. Um, just trying to do service work because one thing I've I'm honestly realized is like I've been my entire life I've been trying to fill this this void inside of me that that just never got full and I I just tried to fill it with drugs and alcohol and um being able to help help others and especially help people that um where I once was um fills that hole um I actually do feel uh fulfillment from that and um drugs and alcohol ain't got shit on that i'll tell you um so i I can relate very much so to that that void that you're trying to fill 
through mm-hmm. external validation. Um, for me, like, I like to, to go to the gym, but then I also can, like, you know, talk, you're talking about skipping your diet and go one way. Like, I'll overdo it. Like, I'll, I'll run too much. About, and it's kind of resulted in a funny story where, like, my shoulder's, like, hanging from its socket. And I had to go to an Asian massage parlor today. And I think I'm the only customer who actually just wanted a massage. They had these, like, little suction cups they put on me, and I was, like, in tears. And I was, like, I was, like, the only, I'm pretty sure the only person. I even, when I got back, I was looking at the reviews for this place, and it was all, like, great with their hands. So I was pretty, like, sure that this was a, a subpar establishment. But they did a great job getting my, my shoulder feels much better. So they do regular massages, too. Didn't you say there was a... Uh... There's like lube everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I was in so much pain that I was just, I was willing to try anything. They got a guy in the back with a mop. <laughs> yeah, I went to the chiropractor first, and then I went to the Asian massage parlor. So, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, my credit card's on file there. So, <laughs> <laughs> I date I dated a girl who was a, um, a massage therapist, and she told me. Um, I mean, she she was very professional, but she told me she got a lot of um, solicitation. Yeah. 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 She uh she had a lot of measures to kind of weed. Yeah, the girl I was dating, she um she she had like measures set up to like kind of weed out the the creeps. Like if they weren't willing to put their credit card on file, so I think you're uh you're, <laughs> I think you're good. You think I'm good or I'm yeah. going to yeah. No, no, because the the guys that wanted to um they didn't want to put their like fill out a form with all their information. They didn't want to sign this waiver. And I didn't then, pull out a single form at this place. <laughs> so it's 50-50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could go either way. Uh, and if they didn't put their credit card on file because they didn't want to, they wanted to pay cash so they didn't have to leave a paper trail for their, their wives or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I will say I did get some good massages. Yeah. There is nothing better. Like I, I have trouble sleeping and the very few times like, I've had like a great night's sleep uh, this one girl I dated used to like massage my temples and give me like melatonin drops. Like I was a rabbit (laughs) and I would fall asleep and I would, that was like the best sleeps of my life. My kryptonite is, um, my earlobes. You like in your earlobes play with? Yeah. If they play with my earlobes, I go right to sleep. Like lick your earlobes? No, no. Like just rub (laughs) it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, the, the massaging of the temple. Um, yeah. Yeah. Women are, are great, but also they can, it can be tough. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I know you've. I'm sure there's been your fair share of stories on on this podcast. Um, yeah, I've got I've got my fair share too. I'll probably leave. You know, I'll probably leave. I'll I'll leave the stories maybe for another episode. Yeah. Um, it might have to break this into a part one and part two, depending on my audio skills, because my stupid alarm went off in the middle of it. But. Uh, I think it's been a great, great episode. It's, it's been awesome having you. Um, so where do you see yourself in five years? Five years? It's funny. Um, my girlfriend just asked me this question. Okay. Um, you tell her single? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I said uh, I want to own my own house. Um, I want to be um, in – professionally, I want to be in the pe- best position I've ever been in. Whether it's, I would love for it to be with the company I am now, but if – um, you know, there, something else is in the cards. Um, I'll kind of go with, go with the flow, but I am, I am pretty loyal. Um, I would like to have a family. Um, I, I obviously have a daughter now. Um, I would like to have her, uh, uh her mother and I are, are cordial. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm financially, um, 
I financially take care of her and I, she lives up north. So I try to spend, um, you know, especially holidays, we, we video chat every week and, uh, and, uh, I, you know, I fly up when I can, especially for holidays, but I would like to potentially have more kids, be married. And, um, I don't know. I just never would have dreamt of that stuff when I was, when I was, um, in my alcoholism and addiction, because I just didn't think I deserved that stuff. So I, I'll, I'll be honest, like now that things are going good, my, um, my disease is still in there. And it's like, you know, my, my grandfather used to say, I'm not afraid of, um, uh, a failure. I'm afraid of success. It's that steep. Yeah. And it's because, um, if anytime things were going good, I would always sabotage it because, uh, it just kept the expectations of me low. Like if I started getting things then I had to start living up to those expectations. So now that things are going well, like my disease still like has that impending sense of doom, like, all right, this is too good to be true. But uh, I know that, that, you know, that's just my mind, you know, trying to, trying to de- destroy the good things that I have. And, and I have tools now that, you know, were so freely given to me that I, I don't have to, to listen to that voice. And um, I take it day by day and things continue, continuously have gotten better. And uh, I don't have to fuck shit up. <laughs> I mean, I still, I still make a lot of mistakes. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Well, I think that's, that's the, the benefit of sobriety is like, you're able to handle those mistakes like when a rational mind. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, I have the same, I have the same issues with the, the toxic thinking. Like you can't do this, you're too, you know, and you have to get out of that mindset, which is why well, I love like motivational podcasts, DMX, stuff like that. But even like last, last night I'm trying to sleep and I can't cause my shoulder is killing me. And like, it's like, I was just like, oh, just drink and the pain will go away. Like, just get hammered and then you, you'll wake up and it won't even bother you anymore. Mm-hmm. But I, I knew like mentally that if I did that, I would be giving up on, you know, what I told, told myself and my family and my friends, like what I was going to do. Like, I'm not drinking anymore. I'm not doing that to you guys. And so like, I go to the gym and like my shoulders like dangling. And I knew that it was physically incredibly unhealthy to be working out like this, but I knew like mentally it was healthy. And, um, like, there's people at the gym just, like, look at, like, what's this guy going through? Like, he's crying every set. Like, it hurts so bad. But, like, I felt at that moment, like, I was like, all right, you did it. Like, because up to that point, I think that had been my biggest challenge with it. And I'm sure there will be more challenges going forward. But now I know I can I can handle it. Like, I I can talk myself into doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, I know. And that's – I know any 12-step program, they say that one day at a time thing. And it, the reason that's so true is, like, I'm – um, I heard this when I was in rehab, like this guy with like, he's like 80 years old with a bunch of years. And he's like, I'm an alcoholic. Of course I'm going to drink again. Yeah. Just what I do. Yeah. Just not today. Yeah. And we're like, well, you better get on that. You're getting kind of old. Man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the one day at a time thing is like, I may, I try to do work on myself, um, every single day. Cause I have this like internal bank account where I I got to make those daily deposits um, cuz there's going to be a day that I'm going to have to make that withdrawal and god forbid I don't put myself in overdraft. <laughs> That's deep. That's deep. Did you write that down or did you just, did you just I I no I heard that uh, okay. a lot a lot of the stuff that comes <laughs> out of my mouth I'm just regurgitating yeah, 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 yeah. it's like a fortune cookie. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, yeah. I heard that in the rooms. 
I, I think my favorite part about going to meetings is just knowing that everyone there is accepting and there's no judgment. That they, there's no like every relationship I've been in previously, at least from my perspective, has been like transactionally. You know, like someone mm-hmm. opens the door for me. I'm like, what do you want from me? You know, or someone lets me through in traffic. It's like, oh, no, you know, and I'm kind of getting out of that thinking and that it's more like, all right, you know, these people are going through something and they want to uh, pay it forward. Mm-hmm. And I really genuinely enjoy that about the program. Like, it feels like I'm not alone. Yeah, I, I've always, um, I've always had a problem with like organized religion and all, a lot of the 12 step programs are, are based on spiritual principles. But to me, it's the church for misfits. It's the fucking church that I've been looking for uh, my entire life. Because outside of like in my addiction, like there's so many people in the rooms that I probably wouldn't ever associate no, yeah, with. Yeah. But there's some of my best friends in the rooms yeah. and because we bond over um, a, a common problem, but also a common solution. And, and like when you say the transactional thing, like I realized when I got sober how conditional my friendships were because, you know, I still have a few, uh, like I can count them on one hand, like close friends that that have been there for me through it all. But a lot of the people that I truly thought were my friends, it was based on that condition of drinking and getting high together. Whereas when I wasn't doing that anymore, you know, um, there were nowhere to be found. And that and that's okay. That That's... That's, you know, that's just how, how it all played out. And, um, you know, I, I've helped people that are since then who have come to me because the whole thing is about um, attraction rather than promotion. I'm not going out trying to get everyone sober, but it's more of like people see um, the change that's happened with me and they're kind of curious of how that happened. And then they kind of take the first step because you can't get anyone sober until they want to get sober. Yeah, um, kind of piggybacking off that, like what my sponsor told me was, like obviously the big catalyst for me, and there was a lot of like bad, other bad stuff, but like obviously my brother passing away, like kind of broke me into a million pieces. And like since that day, um, I wasn't really, I was alive, but I wasn't living. And you know, I was talking to him about it because I, I kind of blamed myself for what happened. And he was like, well, you know what? Like if that's how you feel, then every day you keep doing the dumb shit you're doing, it's like you're killing him all over again. Like if he's st- if you're still here and you can get his message out there and help other people, he's like, then he's still alive. You know, people mm-hmm. remember. But if you're just going to keep just being sad and, and getting drunk and doing everything wrong, then it's like you're, you're killing him again. And that hit home for me, which is kind of why I'm doing this podcast. Is it's a, it's a coping mechanism. It's a healthy one, I think. And there's a lot of people out there who need help. Um, and I'm really glad that you were able to come on because, you know, you're someone I respect. You're very honest about your past and your future is incredibly bright. And, um, you know, I'm hoping people listen. They're like, you know, not alone. Like, if this guy can do it, um, not you, me. If I can do it, you know, anyone can do it. Really, because I feel that way because I was in such a dark place. Mm-hmm. And anybody who loved me, like, I hated them for loving me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, some of them don't talk to me. Some of them do. But they, they all have that in common. Like, if you loved me, I was like, Why? I hate myself, you know, and I don't feel like that anymore. Um, I don't know what the future looks like, but it's definitely brighter than it was, um, it was brighter than it's ever been, really. And, uh, you know, so I genuinely appreciate you coming on today. Um, it was an amazing episode. Yeah, thanks for having me, bro. No problem, man. I'm sorry about the, uh, we might have to do a two-parter here. It's all good, but, man. But uh, I, I think it was an amazing episode. You're one of my best friends. I love you, brother. Love you too, bro.
we uh we hugged and didn't kiss on the couch thanks for having us until next time <laughs>